All right, welcome to our first episode of Revolutionary Space. I'm your host, Ru Chen, and... And I'm the co-host, Gerard Delaney. And we will be talking about how real estate intersects with multiple sociopolitical domains across pop culture as well as history, and also some of the intersections between real estate and less... Um, popular domains such as the esoteric realm of psychology as well as architecture and design. Mm-hmm. And so my name is Rue. First of all, I am a real estate professional working in New York City. Um, I used to work in architecture as well as have uh, both de- a degree in architecture and real estate. And my colleague Gerard Delane also has a similar background, but... Similar background, um, worked for about five years in architecture um, and I've been in real estate development about eight years now. Um, and I've been a college professor for four years now. <laughs> Even though he's super young. So <laughs> I would say that both me and Gerard are kind of go-getters in our field. And we want to not only take in as much information as possible, but also find a meaningful way to distribute it to a larger public. Correct. Which is why we're trying to do this um, podcast. Correct, correct. So in our series, we'll be walking through how real estate intersects with these different domains. But for the first episode, we really wanted to talk about how, and bear with me for a minute because this might seem confusing, but I want to talk about how real estate intersects with how right now in popular culture, young people are overwhelmed with the exposure to different outlets of information. Right. Yeah. And so the outlets that I'm talking about mostly are social media. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, right. All this other stuff and how we can organize ourselves um, around the topic of real estate. Right. Um, you know, I went to a was at an event somewhere last year and uh, I was on a panel and one young man in the crowd said that he actually has anxiety about his phone. That he just like has this like feeling of like I must look, I must look, I must look. Yeah. I can't miss anything, um, which I thought was so opposite for me. Which is like I feel so empowered by having my smartphone. Probably because I was a professional before we had smartphones, and mm-hmm. I remember what it was like without it. It's like the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel so empowered to have it. Um, I, I wasn't born with it or grown up as a young person with this access to information and technology. Right. So uh, I guess I have a natural kind of filter that I think maybe we could talk about today about how some folks can actually filter it and use the best of technology mm-hmm. um, without getting sucked into the kind of ugly side, negative sides of having it and using it right. in particular. And I think this domain of virtual space as opposed to real space, real tangible, this is the room that I'm sitting in, this is the chair that I'm sitting in. um, Virtual space is still such a new concept in a way because we don't really know how to organize it. Right. And And it's not yours. Right, exactly. It's not permanent. Right. It's not permanent. It comes by really quickly. And there's just so much information that there's no possible way that you could digest even 1% of the information that comes out every day. Right. Which is why if you try to, you may get overwhelmed. Mm, It's a good point. And if you think about it, just in general, young people have way less stability. 
than so, generations before. Why? Whereas their parents had a job that they had for 20 years and they retired and had a pension. And now that's like security. Versus now most young people is like, yeah, I'm going to work this job one or two years. I'll move somewhere else. Right. right. I'm going to be in this apartment. I'm going to move somewhere else. I don't have like a big house with a yard and like locked down into this. And that's built into the American dream. Right. Right. And now young people are like, yeah, they don't either. They don't want it or they can't get it. Right. <laughs> Um, so I think maybe part of that adds on to the anxiety of like all this information coming and you don't know what your base is. You don't really know what your foundation is. It's not like somebody's like laying out the explanation on how to do it properly. Right. Whereas with real estate, well, with how you navigate tangible space and reality, there's a set of rules that's been right. ingrained in culture for so many generations that you you know what you're supposed to do when you walk into a coffee shop, right? Like Correct. you stand in a certain place, right. you wait your turn, you place your order, and right. then you pay for it, then you get your coffee. Right. But there's no such order in how we do things in the virtual space. Like in on Instagram, the closest thing we have to that is an algorithm that we don't even know how it works. Nor do we control. <laughs> exactly. So like we're being fed information that we're just like, well, okay, I guess by enacting a certain structure that another company is developing for us and maybe we'll begin to understand the rules, but it's not like we're creating these rules for ourselves in a collective sort of way. Right, right, right. And your ability to influence it is nil, right? It's very small other than like liking certain pictures and then you'll start getting more of those certain types of pictures. Right. Right, or liking certain hashtags, then you'll get some of those certain types of photos. Right, so like just like the Kylie Jenner egg photo. Yeah. I mean, there's an account on Instagram now just of a photo of an egg just trying to get the most likes on Instagram. And what is it, like 45 million now? Yeah, some crazy high number. But it's something like that where it's you see something go viral really quickly on a platform and then everyone else kind of jumps on that bandwagon right. using the similar hashtags or even just like right. post a comment on the photo saying, hey, like my page or go check out my stuff. Right. And that's that seems to be how we're navigating virtual uh, reality, I guess, um, which is hopping on the bandwagon of whoever kind of shoots out beyond the norm and gets the most attention. Right. And so we want to always be following the person, either following the person or who paying gets attention the, to them. Right. Paying attention to the person who gets the most most attention, or sub, or consequently, kind of developing our own media to get the most attention because that's what we think is the most valuable. Right. Which, for technology companies, that's what they value, right? Who's getting the most likes, who's getting the most views, who's getting the most clicks, who's getting the most comments, who has the most, you know, engagement from followers. Right. Um, which, you know, gives, gives young people a certain weird sense of validation. Right. Um, right, right, right. And there's also, well, I mean, there are studies done where, um, there are known studies where says that the more time that you spend on Facebook, the more likely you are to be depressed just because you're seeing the best sides and best curated sides of, of everyone, everyone else. Right. And then you feel like you have to compete with them in that particular aspect in which they may have, you know, worked on for years right. in development where you just might not, right. um, you, you can't compete. And right. in a sense, it's always going to make you feel inferior. Especially if you have like a low self-esteem kind of position, that that would definitely make you insecure. Right. And also like how this sort of attention goes back to the supply and demand question, right. which I think is, are we actually, hmm, 
what kind of demand are we creating? Because by placing attention as the number one signifier of what's the best product to put right. out there, right. are we actually creating things that are meaningful? Well, if you're a marketing company, yes. Um, you know, TV and newspaper is no longer the primary source of advertising, right? Social media is becoming, you know, the beast of entertainment nowadays. Um, so I think the world is changing, right? Versus, you know, four or five generations ago, you had to create stuff. You had to make something, make shoes, make shirts, right? You had to mm -hmm. use manual labor. You had to go to a factory and create something. Um, today, you actually created a technology that doesn't actually make anything, um, but it entertains people. Right. And it catches their attention. Right. But and there's, for, for and there's companies that are willing to pay for that attention. Right. And it's not, we're seeing things that are not, not like real estate where it takes years to just plan right. to develop that space and then actually, you know, get the permits, right. uh, pour the foundation, getting right. together even the workforce to plan for these steps. And then years after where you have to rent it out, either rent right. it out or sell it. Um, but in, in the social media world, in the media world in general, it's kind of like these really fast, occur, quickly occurring viral right. um, content that just goes away in like a day. I mean, I don't right. even know what was viral yesterday, but I know I was really invested in it right. when it came out. Right. And you need less people to do it, which is a whole bigger problem in the right. world today, is we don't need as many people working. Right. Well, right. I actually don't know if that is necessarily... I know it's an issue, but I don't know if it's a negative problem per se to have. Well, if you're one of the ones controlling the technology, it's not a problem. Right. But the truth is everybody's not going to be controlling the technology. So what do we do with the rest of the population? Oh, that's true. We do have this divide between, right. I guess, but, the older generation who actually doesn't, still doesn't. Well, there's older generation who definitely doesn't want to mess with it. But even young people, like what if you just don't want to, you don't want to be a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. You want to be a school teacher. Mm-hmm. But there's right. sort of a pressure to... But the, the increased cost of living, the scarcity and cost of housing, um, you know, the increase in gas, like all these things are escalating upwards. Mm -hmm. But the salaries for a lot of jobs isn't increasing, not nearly in the same rate. Mm. Right? Yes. Got so, it. yeah, what hasn't been resolved yet is how do we deal with that? Because for those technology jobs, we need less people doing it. And they're going to make astronomically more money um, to create something, perfect example, you know, Uber, right? There's some smart kids making a boatload of money mm -hmm. doing the programming and working on logarithms for that. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need a whole army of those guys. No. No, you really don't. I guess that's true. You don't. And now, you know, it's one of the biggest technology companies in the world. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have, like, factories and factories full of people. Right. But also what we're building in terms of software is just so complex that maybe we we don't even have a handle on how it operates. I mean, maybe a handful of people know how it operates. Uh, I mean, but. Elon Musk says the same thing, that he's concerned that technology is getting ahead of us, that AI could get to a point that we can't keep up with it. Yes, that that's true. I think I agree with that point. But also I want to mention the fact, so Jordan B. Peterson mentions in one of his talks He's a psycho psychoanalyst, sorry, clinical psychologist who also um, teaches uh, some religion classes and also psychology classes mm -hmm. at many different universities. 
But uh, he mentions that as we develop new technology, um, we haven't gotten nearly as much advancement in terms of our morality. So then we're programming these artificial intelligence systems to have the same sort of morality uh, basis that we have as humans. But they're operating at a level that we can't understand because the technology of it is just so advanced that they are like light years ahead of us, Correct. but with our levels of morality, right. which he, he argues that we haven't developed since we started leaning so heavily on technology. We have not. And so his, well, his argument was that basically there were alchemists, early scientists, and then it kind of, the science part of it, the hard science part of it started to advance with like technology. Right. And then the sort of morality that was still instilled in alchemy never took off. Mm. So alchemy branched into hard science as we know it today, and also the moralism was just either lost or it was stagnant. Right. Because it was always kind of... the mor- Moralism was always kind of um, imbued with the religious aspect. Gotcha. And we kind of look, even look down upon that aspect today because we think, oh, you can't prove it with hard science. True. There's definitely a move away from religion and a lot of aspects of popular culture today. For sure. And would you say that that is also what's causing us to not be able to keep up with the development of our technology? Because we lean too heavily on this one aspect of, oh, wait, let's, let's, let's always just like improve upon the right. processors and like all, all this other stuff that's coming out instead of thinking about how, what is a way to organize everything that we've collected and what is a meaningful direction to take this? I think, you know, most companies are created to address morality and to make us better people mm-hmm. and many many more of them are designed to get us to do something get us to do something that is commoditized so like can you give an example of that I mean, like Facebook mm-hmm. right their job is to get you to keep that app open as long as possible mm-hmm. and to use it and to click on some things certain times mm-hmm that's a job and like to do their job the best you spend more time on it spending more time on it may not be the best thing for you right right spending eight hours in a day on social media isn't the most productive use of your day right especially if you're a father mother son right Right. employee that's just not the best use of your whole day um i like you know to provide solutions i would like to say it's kind of like alcohol Mm -hmm. like in certain doses, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's social. Mm-hmm. Um, you can enjoy yourself and enjoy your birthday party, wedding, um, you know, a celebration of an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you could overdo it. Mm-hmm. You could consume so much to a point that it's actually bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, because of their personality type, maybe they have addictive personality. Um, maybe they have low self-esteem, that they kind of can fall into the traps of the negative aspects of overconsumption. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think, yeah, right now, the companies don't have an incentives to address that. Right. There's no incentive for them to 
find those people and to get those people to stop doing that. Right. Same thing with liquor companies. They don't really put an active effort into finding alcoholics and right. stopping them. Right, right. Right? Right. Because they're like, some other company is going to come up with an idea to fix that, and then we'll still keep our business. Or we'll pay a fine or whatever. Like, it'll get addressed, whatever. But right now, we're just trying to sell as many as we can and build as much as we can, because that's that's how we grow. That's how we meet our quarter, meet our annual goals. Right. So I think for individuals figuring out that filter um, about what's healthy and what's not, I think um, could give people a good foundation kind of moving forward. Right. And I would, I would actually ask you, how do you think this relates to like tangible space, like how you navigate reality? And I would say just real estate because real estate is everywhere, right? Well, similar to real estate, um, you know, you should find what's comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to finding a home, mm-hmm. you know, generations ago, a lot of folks wanted big houses with big yards. Mm-hmm. Um, now young folks want to stay somewhere that's close to a park. Close to a running path, close to a market, close to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want what's for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of factors in them why that's the case. There's crime, there's public transportation, there's right, drug right. epidemics. So there's a whole bunch of factors that factor into that. Right. But um, I think for folks to find what's comfortable to them and their families um, and what's productive to all of the above and be able to communicate about that, right. I think... You know, similar to real estate, I think that's the best way forward for folks. And unfortunately, there aren't a lot of outlets encouraging that. Right. <laughs> hey, here's the healthy way to consume social media. Right. <laughs> and um, I, I doubt people would, you know. And listen, most young I mean, people even wouldn't even listen. They just chalk it up and like toss it up. Or they just get anxious for no reason. They Maybe we do what we did to cigarette companies years ago, right? <laughs> they forced the cigarette companies to pay for the commercials to tell you to stop smoking cigarettes. Right. Um, we'll right. see. Maybe Facebook gets to that point at some point. Right. Um, yeah, I think I don't, under, I don't like the idea of regulations on like something that is similar to a topic that I would say is like free speech almost. Eh. But at the same time, recognize that there are these again healthy trends. Overconsumption. Like in the forties and fifties, they didn't realize cigarettes is this bad. Right. And in the seventies, eighties, it was like, wait, here's the result of long term overconsumption. Right. So then we had to reflect, like, wait, we got to change things. Right. This is the issue for the public. Right. And I think also um, I just want to close out this episode by saying how in the beginning we kind of set up the real space, quote unquote, and the virtual space as two separate domains. But as real estate developers, we're seeing more and more of an integration between the two realms yes. as well. Like where yes. we do use virtual space to not access. only access. To use to use, but also to promote and to kind of, you know, post 3D models of our spaces and also right. um, teach people how to navigate our spaces. Signage, yes. you know, using functional walls. Right. And there's a lot of different, uh, it's a very complicated nest of ideas that we're getting into. Right. Um, and I mean, like, this podcast is much for us to understand how it all intersects, as well as for you to pose questions to us about what you think is relevant, what we should talk about, and also how you think real estate intersects with, you know, social media, virtual space, all of that. In your daily life. Exactly. We we, want to know. So hit us up. Um, I'll put a link in the description and enjoy until the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.